What is going on, everybody? Appreciate you tuning into the show today, and welcome to High Performance Pathways. I'm your host, Court Whitman. Today's show sponsored by Big Sky Bravery. Big Sky Bravery provides high adrenaline and recreational programming to active duty special operations forces as a means to improve their psychological and emotional well-being. The company's incredible, y'all. You got to check them out. In order to do that, go to Big Sky Bravery. Dot org. And if you want to be an active participant in helping these men and women kind of work through something that's been disruptive in their life, what I invite you to do is just send them a letter, right? Send them a letter and say, hey, thanks a lot for what you do in support of this incredible country. And send it to Josh McCain at Big Sky Bravery. And that address is 215 Quail Run, Unit A, Bozeman, Montana. We're talking God country, y'all. 59718 is that zip code. They'll be thankful that they got it from you. For all new listeners out there, and I know we're going to have quite a few folks checking in here today that's never really had a chance to sit down and listen to one of these shows because the guest and every guest that comes in here brings with them their network. And my guest I have today is absolutely one of those folks. So let me just talk for a moment about the purpose of the show, what we're trying to do here. High Performance Pathways is a purpose-built, very intentional, specially selected collection of someone's experience as they discuss how they understand, discover, and chase high performance in their own life. This content is collected during a one-on-one interview, and then I share it out with you. Why? Because I believe everyone has a different path to high performance. And hearing about the paths that other professionals have journeyed along in their life is informative and it's inspiring. So, during each episode of High Performance Pathways, as your host, it's my intent to do five things for you, the listener. Number one, connect. Connect you to someone else so you can build out your professional relationships. So you can learn, y'all. And for my military audience, which is really strong here, right? For so many years, networking seemed to be just this bad thing. It's got this bad stigma. Like we don't do it in the military, right? That's for an ass kisser or someone like that. Well, let me tell you, y'all, out here in this brand new world of, of private and nonprofit space, networking is how you learn. And so one of the purpose of this show, the number one purpose here is to connect you to somebody else. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask questions so that we can understand this person's experience. The third thing I'm going to do is I'm going to share my thoughts so that as my guest comments on these things, we can raise an additional perspective in this conversation. The fourth thing I'm going to do is teach to help increase your competence. And number five, is my goal to inspire. Inspire in some way you as a listener to trigger some sort of a growth experience while you listen to the show. Hey, check it out. One additional note that I got to cover. The podcast is raw, folks, right? No post-production editing here on this show. We record live and then we deliver it to you exactly as it was recorded. So hey, cut us a little bit of slack out there, right? For the background noise, uh, for maybe me and my guests talking over each other every now and then. Hey, this is raw, authentic, and that's why I love it. And I think that's why you listen to it. Let me talk about my guest. My guest today is William Harden, more affectionately known by me as Will. Maybe even Big Will. We might be Big Will a couple times here today on the show today. But let me kind of get into Will's bio briefly, and then we'll jump into the show together. So Will retired from the U.S. Air Force in 2019, and he now serves as the operations manager for Astranus. And Astranus is a company that's committed to building the next generation 
internet satellites to get the entire world online. And it's kind of hard for me to think about folks of, you know, and there's places in the world that's not online, even running around Afghanistan when there's nothing out there, but I guarantee there's a cell phone, uh, which kind of always blew me away. But there's still parts of this great big world out there, y'all, that's not online. Astronus is committed to delivering that. Will's got a comprehensive background in planning and directing all sorts of different projects. And he really draws upon his extensive time working and serving overseas, either in a combat capacity or on an in humanitarian relief operations that include Iraq, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, Puerto Rico, and a few other intimate locations across this great world. When we talk about Will's role specifically at Astranus, which is in fact his first job post-military, which I think is gonna be interesting here to kind of under, get understanding of how that's going for Will in this conversation. But the things that he does, his roles, his responsibilities include this, and I'll just share a few. Will identifies, creates, and executes initiatives to improve business operations across multiple disciplines. Will establishes and manages ongoing sustainable processes to help the company scale up in size. Will provides operational logistics support to spacecraft and technology development programs. Will assist in the recruitment, interviewing, and hiring of new personnel, which I would say is an absolutely critical task. If you can't get that right, you're in a world of hurting for the company. Will coordinates and manages vendor interactions and projects and will executes contract negotiations for spacecraft and hardware testing campaigns. And that's just a few of kind of like the banner items that I wanted to highlight here as I talked about Will to give you some insight to, to what his work looks like these days. Um, and finally here, I just want y'all to know that I know Will. Uh, Will was a client of mine um, associated with my work with the Commit Foundation, uh, an exclusive kind of opt-in, apply to, get selected uh, program out there that helps high-performing veterans transition out of the military service and into the private sector. And we spent about three, four, five months together um, kind of just helping Will figure out what his next best life looks like. And now here we are together today talking to y'all. So Will, thanks, man, for being here. Appreciate your willingness to step into this conversation and talk about some of your time in service, talk about what it was like to transition out, and talk about what you're doing today. And in my opinion, just reflecting back on a life that's still rolling, but one that's been kind of chasing high performance for a long time, man. So thanks for being here. Absolutely, Court. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our conversation we're going to have, and hopefully uh, your listeners can uh, get some uh, some insight, some enjoyment out of uh, my experiences as, as we go through this. And uh, yeah, you know, as a C5 loadmaster for 10 years and in the contingency response for five years before the retirement, uh, I'd like to say that I, I, God gave us two ears and one mouth, and I'd love to tell you that I listened more than I talked. That probably wasn't always the case. So I'm going to do my <laughs> best not to talk over you in our Zoom interactions. But uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me here, Cord. I'm, I'm super honored to be here today, man. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what, boy. There's no one else who'd want to be on this show. Uh, in the time that we've spent together, you just have an incredible way with words. I would say that you're one of the most positive people I've ever come across in my life. And I always walked away from our time together, just freaking fired up, man. So I'm excited. I think the listeners uh, will feel the same. And, and y'all in for a treat, all right, with my man Will here. So 
Hey, let's get rolling, man. And let's just get rolling with some insight to, to growing up for you in the hardened home. And so if you don't mind, Will, just share for us, you know, where did you grow up? What was it like? And really, how did you like spending your time as a kid and young adult before the Air Force? Well, thanks for the question. Uh, I am a West Texas uh, kid, born and raised in the old fields of uh, Odessa, Texas. Um, Odessa. Son of a Southern Baptist music minister. Yes, sir. Odessa, you may have heard of it on a, if you've seen the movie Friday Night Lights, not that crappy TV show, but the movie Friday Night Lights, uh, that's all about my hometown. And football is definitely the second religion around there. Yeah, so let me just jump in and interrupt because I'm absolutely smiling if you could see me right now because I'm thinking about the and I might get this wrong, but the is it the the Permian Panthers? Am I getting, am I close? You you nailed it on the head, but I went to the other high school. I was I was a Bronco. I was an Odessa High School Bronco. So that was our the Panthers were our arch rivalry, and yeah, they had a pretty good run there in the '80s, and so everybody uh, hyped them up, but. I'll forever uh, be be uh, be part of uh, Team Red and the Broncos. So uh, yeah, the Panthers, even though they had the movie made about them, they're they're our rivals. So go easy. I hear you, boy. I hear you. So I'm starting it off already, freaking stirring the pot. But uh, anytime I hear Odessa, just like you said, I absolutely think in football. I absolutely love football. And so keep on going, man. Continue. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I grew up, uh, I grew up in church every Sunday, Wednesday night. My dad had me, you know, in a church. Uh, so learned how to guitar in my hands when I was a young man and kind of grew up in music. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, growing up as a kid uh, in, in West Texas, you know, we weren't poor by any means, but you know, most of my, my closet was definitely filled full of hand-me-downs and, and shoes were mostly from Payless. And so, you know, I grew up being outside a lot. Uh, we lived, you know, 10 miles outside of town. And I, I really got the opportunity to grow up, you know, in the, in the outdoors, if you will, or I guess the deserts of, of West Texas. But I had a saving grace where my grandparents lived in Lano, and that's central Texas, home of God's country, the Lano River and Cooper's Barbecue. Uh, for those of y'all that have ever been there, they're absolutely incredible. And so the second school was over, uh, you know, from the time I was a kid until, I mean, even up until I joined the Air Force to this day, I couldn't wait to get there because it's beautiful, it's green, and my grandparents owned property right there on the river. And so I spent, you know, from the time I was born, but I mean, even five years old, I can remember, you know, I just couldn't wait to get down there because my grandfather, who we'll talk about, you know, is one of my earliest role models and heroes, you know, he was he let me, you know, taught me how to fish, taught me how to hunt, taught me how to, to work with my hands and things like that. And the only rule that we had when we would go all the way down to the river, of course, this is back in the 80s and 90s, it was a little different then. But, you know, we just had to stay. The rule was you had to stay within sight of the window when you were down on the river. So imagine a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old cousin just running around, you know, this river, learning how to fish and, you know, run trot lines and chase turtles and you know, get into BB gun wars, which is probably not appropriate nowadays, but it was what it was. And so I just, I, I was very blessed in having this upbringing where our family unit was a very, very tight knit family unit. Uh, brothers, uh, sister, I'm the oldest of three, uh, cousins, aunts, uncles, we were always together. We were always, you know, sitting around a bonfire playing guitar and singing, or we were going, you know, my dad, one of his biggest things was, you know, never be afraid to make memories. Sure, you got to worry about money, but you, it's those memories that are going to last. that's going to build that character in you and, and who you are as a person. And so as I was growing up, I was very blessed 
to have that where by the time it came for me when I know we'll talk about when I decided to join the military, I had such a strong value system built into me where, you know, I was raised, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, stand up for when a lady comes to the table, open a door for someone, treat your elders with respect. And I think that that helped build the foundation of my pyramid for eventually what I would, you know, become. And I, it's, it's funny, I, I just read something on social media today that says your lack of commitment is an insult to those who believe in you. And every time I start, you know, going through something, whether it's a leadership decision, whether it's a next step transition, it's, I try to think back on those times, those, those, those fundamental times as I was a kid and, and in my formative years in Texas and go, you know, so many people spent so much time and effort in loving me and raising me and making sure, you know, I had clothes on my back and, you know, had a ride to get to school and things like that, that every, every decision I make that I don't give 110% towards, in my mind, it is, man, that's such a powerful thing to think about. It's almost like an insult to those that came before us, you know, and, and, and it kind of paved the way for us. And so I'm blessed to have the upbringing I did, and I'm going to do my very best to continue to hopefully, you know, make them proud and, and inspire others if it's possible. Yeah, man. Your lack of commitment is an insult to those who believe in you. I freaking love it, dude. I mean, I, I don't know where the hell that just came from, but you just ripped that right there here for us. And I want to just challenge anyone listening. Let that settle in a little bit, right? How can that, how can that inspire you in this moment today? And we'll just check in here with, with the social media pull from probably his morning kind of routine uh, as he got ready for this show. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, man, stories are powerful. And I do a lot of work with folks and helping them tell stories that are compelling. In some cases for folks that are meeting for the first time. And Will, you're meeting for the first time a whole bunch of people in the listening audience. And so let me just ask this, man, right? Color this story in for me a little bit about your time as a kid and bring it to life with some names, man. You said brother, sister, cousin, grandparents. You mind just sharing some names, man, so these people that are important in your life come to life for me and two, so that we can recognize them, whether they're alive or not still because I don't know if your grandparents are still living, but we can still shout them out here in this moment, man. You share some names with me? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was, I'm actually, uh, I am, I have one of those long suffixes. I'm the fourth. I am William Lewis Harden the fourth. My dad is William Lewis Harden the third and my grandfather's the second. And uh, those two men, you know, definitely, uh, my grandfather, sadly, he passed away a couple years ago earliest role model, best friend in life, a Korean war vet himself, you know, one of the big reasons I decided to eventually join the military. Um, so can't speak enough how to them. My uncle, Kelly Walker, um, I mean, owned an electric company, had me in a company truck from the time I was knee high to a grasshopper. I mean, I was uh, just really helped shape me and how to think with your mind and work with your hands and that you're never stuck, right? And one of his famous lines used to hit me with all the time and I'd get frustrated because I am redheaded and have a temper. He'd say, well, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And I use that to this day. I share it with the, the people I work with. And it's just one of those things where when you get into one of these problems and you're like, oh my God, we have this you know, massive million dollar deal. And we've got this spacecraft that we're trying to launch you know, in a few months. And holy cow, it's, this is so hard. You eat that elephant one bite at a time. If you take it all in at once, you know, you're just going to overwhelm yourself. And so, you know, I, my, my uncle Kelly Walker, he taught me that so early. My, his son and my cousin, who was definitely hands down my best friend in life, uh, Barrett Walker, my brother, 
Chad, my sister Kara, my mom Kathy, all these, uh, uh, my Aunt Lori, um, these are these inspirational people in my life that helped shape me. Uh, and, you know, for all the men that gave me that structure and that uh, the rigidity, if that's a word, you know, I, I, I you have this, uh, the, the, this, this solid, you know, masculine, which I think is absolutely still necessary in today's world. But I also had that soft, caring side of my Aunt Lori, my mother, and of course, being an older brother to my sister, Kara. You learn, you know, compassion. You learn, you learn that you don't always have to have that super rugged side, which I know is hard for some of us in the military today, especially if you come from an operations background where showing that softer side of that compassion can be a difficult or sometimes uncomfortable uh, thing to show. But I think that is just as important as being able to get your hands dirty, to, to, to crank on wrenches, to be that provider, you know, if that's how you, you know, you, you address your life to also have that compassion inside of you, that built in mantra of I'm doing everything I can for all the people in my life to make every single one of them proud of the person I am today. And all that is built in on that foundation of both that, that those, that rigid structure system and, and who, what you can do and how hard you can push yourself. That is absolutely balanced by that love, that softer side that, you know what, come over here and let me give you a hug. And, and court like say, you know me. And if I'm around anyone and people say it off, man, I'm a hugger. I'll be in the middle of a battlefield in Iraq somewhere. And I'd be sitting on the flight line, giving somebody a hug. I hardly know because I, I, I was raised that way. If I see you, if I know you, if we're friends, or even if we're not that good friends, I'm going to give you a hug just because that's, <laughs> that's how I was raised. And I think that's important for people to connect those two. You don't always have to be a badass. Sometimes you can give a hug. Hey, watch out, y'all. He's a hugger. He's a hugger. Hey, man, freaking love it, dude. Um, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. God bless uh, all the William Hardens in that long line. And boy, does that resonate deep within me. Um, I am Courtney in a line of five. And my son, Bryce, his first name's Courtney. So he's the sixth Courtney born to the Whitman family as a man. Um, so that stuff matters, man. Hey, Kelly Walker, Barrett, Chad, Kara, Kathy, Aunt Lori, all these incredible people have had an impact in your life. Hey, we appreciate y'all. We thank you. And we thank anybody that's, you know, part of this nuclear and extended family unit that's making a difference in the lives of others as they begin to grow, right? Continue to give that counsel, mentor, instruction, um, love, hey, and a hug more often than not for those folks that you care about because it matters and it can help them as they grow like it did Will here. Hey, man, let's talk about the military. Um, you know, at some point you decided to, to, to raise your right hand and join the Air Force. Um, why? <laughs> that is a, is a, it's a deep question. And uh, the answer to that is, it was 2004, obviously, uh, it's, it's weird to think this way. There's people that I meet on a daily basis that weren't alive when 9-11 happened. But for some of us that are little, have a few more years under our belt, 9-11 uh, had happened a couple years prior. I was a junior in high school when that happened. And uh, like I said, you know, my uncle owned an electric company and I was working for him and me and my cousin, Barrett, we were doing a job uh, at a restaurant and uh, the owner of that restaurant had taken uh, he was prior uh, Navy and he had taken pictures out of airplanes. And I specifically remember me and my cousin, you know, we we're wiring in an outlet or something in the wall. And I, you know, these pictures were all down the, the wall. And I said, man, that'd be such a cool thing to do. You know, that'd be so cool to be part of something, 
you know, bigger than yourself and, and, you know, go over there and serve your country and to be part of airplanes. And of course, my cousin famously said, Oh, you wouldn't do that. I'm like, I can do that. He was like, There's a challenge. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm like, hold my beer and watch this. You know, like, so (laughs) I, the next couple days later, I went, I went, I'll never forget it, man. I was walking down, there's recruiter row, you know, and I got to the Marines and I was like, nah, they're way too tough for me. Got to the Navy (laughs) and I was like, nah, they're way too pretty. (laughs) Got to the Army and I was like, yeah, that's just, that's just a joke. So then I went ahead and I got to the Air Force. Like, oh, good, the smart people. This is, this is my people here. But uh, <laughs> no, I uh, I did. I, I I I called my grandpa and told him I was thinking about it. And him being an, an Army Korean War vet, he said, "Son, if you're going to do it, just promise me you'll, you'll talk to the Air Force." And so I did. And uh, I I went in, talked to the recruiter, great uh, Dustin Beard. Don't know if he's uh, still out there in the world, but uh, he was an incredible recruiter. Um, he was definitely not a snake oil salesman. He said, hey, man, if you want to do this, I respect it, but you got to take this test. Uh, of course, it was an ASVAB. And back then, you know, there was almost a line to get in the military because everyone was really feeling the call to serve their country, you know, 2004, that, that soon after 9-11. Yep. And so I, I took the ASVAB and, uh, and I came back into his office. You know, they, they, they sent me up to Amarillo to take it at a MEP station there. And I came back down to his office and he said, man, you, you, you scored off the charts. You can do whatever you want. I said, awesome. I want to be an electrician. And he said, no, you, you didn't hear me. You can do whatever you want in the military. <laughs> and I said, cool. I want to be an electrician. That's, <laughs> that's what I knew, right? I mean, that's, that's what I thought. I, my plan initially was I'm just going to come in here, do my six years, serve my country, maybe get some college tuition money, you know, and then I'll, I'll transition into the next day's life. And I, I'm so grateful that he was such a good recruiter where he literally like looked me in the eyes and he said, well, you can do anything you want in the military. And I really think you've got the personality to be in operations. And I think that's a path you should pursue. And I thought, no, 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 you're not, you're not understanding me. I'm like, you know, I, I just want to be an electrician because this is my comfort level. And he said, no, I really think you should give operations a shot. And he said, there's a career called a loadmaster. You're an air crew member. You're going to be flying all over the world. It's a, you know, very prestigious job. There's, you know, less than 0.1% of the military uh, is, is in operations, as, as you well know, and less than a very small percent of that portion is enlisted air crew. And he said, I think this is, this is a, a pursuit worthwhile for you. And so thankfully, after a lot of golf games and things like that, because at the end of the day, we are Air Force. And so while we were waiting our turn, we were playing a lot of golf. Uh, he finally beat me and he said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm putting you in uh, as a loadmaster. And I said, OK. And uh, I, I remember the day I got the call and he said, hey, I, I, you know, like I'd said, you know, there was a waiting line. So you went into what was called delayed enlistment program. He said it could be four days, could be four months. Just get ready. So, you know, you're kind of sitting on that pins and needles, right? When am I going? When am I going? And uh, I got the call and he said, hey, I had a guy fall out. Um, and so you're next man up. I need you to be in a van here at the mall, the back of the mall tomorrow. You're going to Amarillo to do your true, you know, raise your right hand, uh, take that oath. And off you'll go to the wild blue yonder. And, you know, I did that. I remember raising my right hand in, in Amarillo, Texas. And, I, I, you know, this is a flood of emotions. You know, you're proud, you're, you're excited, you're scared shitless. You're, what, what is this life going to be? And, and, you know, after, I, I'm, I mean, as soon as basic training, well, for a lot of people, basic training is that culture shock, right? You know, you got somebody yelling at your face, you know, screaming at you, and I thought, hell, y'all just yeah. need to meet, you know, South Texas women. Like, tell women from the South, this is, this is Monday. If you, you know, get some mud on grandma's carpet, you'll hear, you'll have a woman in your face yelling. So, uh, 
but you know, I, it, it was it was it was an interesting transitional time for me. And then you know, I went on to do that loadmaster training. Uh, as as I as I transitioned into becoming a loadmaster, um, it was it was super uh, cerebral. You know, there was lots of of mathematical formulas and uh, of course weight and balance and of course the security aspect of it. And then hey, we're sending you off to survival school up uh, you know North Washington, and then. You're going to water survival down in Florida, and I just this whirlwind of life is happening around me, and you're making all of these friends and your, you know, family. You know, to this day, I'm, I, I call them my family. You know, super tight bonds, which I know a lot of the military, especially military listeners on this program, know exactly what I talk about. You're forming these bonds, and uh, yeah, so I, um, I was a loadmaster for for uh, a few years, just a basic loadmaster, and I, I ended up doing a pretty good job at that. Uh, I became an instructor and then eventually an evaluator. And uh, for those of you that are tracking that, you know, it's just kind of career progression in, in any uh, military uh, uh, career. Um, after 10 years on the jet, the Air Force came and told me, they said, hey, we want to take you out of the airplane and put you in this uh, special contingency response unit. And I was like, no, I don't want to go do this ground pounder stuff. Like I'm an air crew. I'm a zipper suited sun god. Like, I don't, I don't know about, you know, having to eat MREs <laughs> in the dirt. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was a crazy talk. And uh, again, I had some great mentors that said, Will, your personality is tailor-made for this. You are going to love it. And I want to say his name out loud. His name was Mark Larmony. He was one of the best senior master sergeants or E8s that I've ever known. He said, you're going to fit in. Just give it a chance. And I said, okay. So as, as I try to live my life, I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do 110%. And uh, I walked into that unit and I said, how many qualifications are offered to someone who's a one alpha or, you know, air crew operations personality. And they said, there's five qualifications, but you know, you can only be, it's a controlled tour. You can only be here for three to four years. So you'd be lucky if we can get you three. I said, okay. And within six months, I had every single qualification. And I said, that's, that's what I want to, you know, this, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do this. And that lead uh, alpha echelon element is called the airfield assessment team. And uh, it's a small eight man team that goes out uh, in front of the main body. We're the, we're the air force people that your types court used to link up with whenever you're like, Oh my God, I'm scared. Can you please call in like air support and get, get people here to make me feel warm and fuzzy again. And so, uh, you know, that was, that was that team I was part of. And uh, so we would, we'd be on that alpha echelon, you know, with the seizure forces and we could go out, uh, help secure an airfield, um, and then start building it up to bring in main body forces to start running, you know, large military type operations anywhere in the world. And that mandate was to be able to do that from the time the phone rang, we were wheels up in less than 12 hours with whatever gear we needed to be able to, to do that mission. And I will uh, kind of wrap this part up of from the, uh, the mission set, you know, one in 2000, into 2000 and, uh, 16, I was uh, helping liberate Missoula uh, from ISIS. And about nine months later, uh, right after Hurricane Maria, me and that exact same unit were on the ground in uh, Roosevelt Roads, Puerto Rico, uh, helping get the island of Puerto Rico uh, food and water and sustaining, you know, life-sustaining capabilities um, after the hurricane had ripped through there. So, so very much a, a wide range of, of abilities and, and lots of things to build on. And that's kind of my military career in a very short nutshell. And then a lot of people ask me when they say, you know, hey, you retired, but you said only 15 years. And I think it's a good time for your listeners. And, you know, I, I did. I retired at 15 years. And that's because uh, on year 15, the Air Force called me back up and they said, hey, you did a really good job 
you know, running and gunning and having all that fun in that ground unit, but it's time to bring you back to the, to the airplane, which I was actually sad. Again, I was like, wait, no, I like it here. Like, this is great. They were right. I loved it. But I said, okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of liked playing army. It was fun. Um, but I, uh, I, I said, okay, I'll do that. So me and my wife, Sarah, we packed up our house, everything's in storage, rental trucks ready to go. And I had a small bump on my neck. And uh, the doctors at Travis said, hey, we just want to take a look at that before you go because Dover Air Force Base has a small clinic. They don't have a big hospital. Travis does. So let's see if we can get that squared away before you head out. Mind you, I was leaving, like scheduled to drive away uh, in three weeks from the time this happened. And so they did a quick biopsy and they said, that ah, doesn't look scary, but we're going to go ahead and take it out just to be safe. I said, cool. So they called me in, set the surgery. They took it out, kept me overnight. Doc said, go ahead and head home. I'll see you in a week to take the stitches out. You'll have a week to heal up and you can drive across the country. I said, sounds good to me, doc. Uh, I went home. It was, he told me a week to come back and he called me 24 hours later. Said, hey, I need you to come into the office. And I was like, doc, I am pretty messed up on these really good pain meds you gave me. <laughs> and he was like, nah, I need you to come in. So the wife, of course, was super worried, and we got in there, and he said, sit down, and we'd already established me and the doc, uh, the no bullshit rule, and I said, just give it to me straight, doc, and he was like, you've got stage three melanoma, and I said, okay, and I remember <laughs> my wife, my wife specifically remembers my first question out of my mouth was, am I still going to Dover, <laughs> and he said, no, you're not going to Dover, man, uh, and so, you know, at that point, the Air Force said, you know, we're, we're, we, we will definitely take care of you, but yeah, we're going to cease all, you know, military ops at this point. Um, I was grateful, man. UCSF and Dr. Adil Dowd, his nurse, Christine Kim, they hands down saved my life. The Air Force was great. They said, we understand you may not want to get care here. We conveniently are located next to Stanford and UCSF. Which one would you like to go to? They're both world class. And I got the opportunity to go to UCSF and I was on immunotherapy for a year while still remaining on active duty and doing uh, some light office. Well, I say light, uh, the Air Force thought I was doing light office duty. So what my commanders and I were secretly doing is I was going out and running all these exercises from Fort Hunter Liggett down to middle of nowhere, Fort Irwin, everything. I'm like, look, I may have cancer, but I'm not like dying. Like we still got, we got shit to do. So let's go. Like if I'm here, I'm here. If I'm not, I'm not, let's get this done. So uh, for that year though, I, I was getting treated for melanoma. And as we got to the end of that treatment, the Air Force came back and they said, look, it said, it's nothing personal. You can either take a desk job or you can have a full medical retirement. And so I talked with my wife and, you know, it was, it was really, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I made is to, to leave that behind. But at this point in my career, it was a business decision. It was, what am I going to do if I continue to do another five years in the Air Force at a desk? I know I'm not going to be happy. You know, what do I need to do to transition into that next phase? And so we made the, the decision to go ahead and take the medical retirement. And uh, I'm sure we will get into where that led and a few more of your following questions, but I don't want to answer everything all up front. So I told you, Court, I'll talk your ear off, man. But I, uh, that's, that's the story of kind of what led me to you at that point. And I'll let you take back over from here. Yeah, man, you're just so gifted, Will, and your ability to tell a story. I freaking love it, man. I feel like I'm walking right beside you through that entire process to include, uh, you know, Barrett freaking, you know, taking the beer from you when he challenged you in that moment to, ah, man, you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't go fly in airplanes in the air force, you know, all the way leading you through, you know, this Dustin Beard, incredible recruiter. And what I'll tell you is if he's any relation to a guy named Danny Beard, which was an army recruiter, I served with the Beard family is doing something right when it comes to putting folks in the military. Cause Danny Beard was a phenomenal guy as well uh, to, to Mark, 
Larmony, I think you said, who I would just capture as an influencer in your life as he kind of pushed you to, to do something else. And I, I cannot continue in this conversation without saying just in my own spoken word that you're a zipper suited sun guy. <laughs> you let that one just roll yeah, right off the go by. Don't judge me. No, man, I freaking love it, dude. Right? And you did, you did a good job, man, of, of giving the Army some shout-outs there and uh, building up the Air Force, absolutely. Um, so, no, man, continue. I, what, I, what I absolutely want to talk about now is that transition, right? Um, and, and before we go there, man, I mean, what was it like for you mentally, emotionally, and Sarah, too, walking out of that office with, with kind of the cancer diagnosis and, and the road ahead? I mean... You know, was was it? I mean, you're a high energy guy. You're a positive guy. I don't know that I could see you any other way. Were there lows for you at all? You know, that's a that is a great question, and and I'd I'd be lying if I answered it any other way, but the only way I know how, and that is, we walked out of there. Um, my wife, hands down, is my she's my support system. She's a rock solid woman, and. Uh, Without her, I don't know if that transition would have been as, as easy as it would have been. But um, I know that I walked out of there and I was like, okay, you know, because I'm me. At the end of the day, I'm me. And I said, this is a problem. You know, like we talked about how it's raised. You got to eat the elephant one bite at a time. How are we going to get through this? So uh, we pushed forward. And I said, all right, let's, uh, let's get this figured out. So I came home. And I never, I never let myself, like, sink in. Right? I never let myself go, oh, my God, you've got cancer. Like, whoa, what are we going to do? So. But I did have one moment. I did have one moment in the shower, and I said, well, I'm going to let it all out, and this is it. And I, you know, I, I looked up, and I asked God, I said, you take my hand, tell me how you want to do this. And uh, I just I felt like I was, I was propelled, man. I was pushed, and I was like, let's just keep doing this 110%. So uh, that was it, man. And I, I decided if we're going to do this, 110%, let's go. That golden bullet was shot for every single one of us long before we were ever thought of, right? What's going to get us is going to get us. Of course, you can rush that, but, you know, I was, I'm going to keep living my life to 110. So I, I, you know, picked myself up, dusted myself off. Um, we, we figured out what the treatment plan was going to look like. Again, my wife, she was hands down that support system, and she, she really helped keep me in that right headspace to go, we're going to deal with this. We've got this. Let's keep pushing. So I can't, I can't say enough about how solid of a person she is. Um, but anyway, so as we, we made that transition, you know, and I was, God, you know, the headspace of someone, and it wasn't even so much the cancer. I, I really want to emphasize that, you know, and if, if one of your listeners out there is dealing with some, some sort of struggle like that, don't let that define you. That's just a, that's just another hurdle. That's another, another set of circumstances we have to navigate around, navigate over, navigate through, just get through it because there's going to be something good on the backside and the, and the mental character and capacity will build for you as you go through that will set you up for success. You have to embrace the process, trust in, in that there's a plan bigger than yourself and keep moving forward. And so I, I was, you know, I was trying to get my head right. Like, okay, I've done all this. Like, you know, I was a, a load master. And what does that do on the outside world? Well, that doesn't really transfer that great, you know, but okay. And then I was in this contingency response unit and we learned how to like, you know, stack on doors and clearing and, you know, setting up airfields in the middle of nowhere and, and MBG. I'm like, that doesn't really transition too well into, okay, you know, unless you want to be in law enforcement, which I strongly support, but I just, law enforcement wasn't going to be for me. 
So what does that look like? And I, you know, I, I'm so blessed. I was, I was, uh, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, uh, Katie and Steve, uh, Sarah's sister and her husband, they're incredible people. And they really helped like, you know, they're reaching out and you said it court network, right? It was all about networking. Hey, I know this person. Hey, I know this person. And I was talking to a lot of these people who were helping me kind of get my head right about what, what transition life looks like, what corporate life looks like, and what skill sets I currently had that I may not have seen at the time, but that would transition into the private sector. And so my brother-in-law uh, had a contact on the outside world. Uh, he linked me up with them. I actually went and interviewed with this company, downtown San Francisco, scared the hell out of me. It was a finance company and a sky rise. And I was like, whoa, this is on another level. Uh, <laughs> but he ended up, the guy was great. I mean, the dude wears cowboy boots down the streets of San Francisco. He's a rock star. His name is Mark Craney. Mark Craney, if you have to listen to man, I can't thank you enough. But he, at the end of our conversation, he said, I'm going to put you in touch with an organization called Commit. He said, they're going to be able to set a guy like you up for success. That relationship, uh, as I was talking to Michelle, uh, she said, hey, I've got a coach for you, I think. This guy's name's Court Whitman. He's ex-Army. And I thought, oh, God, here we go, a knuckle dragger. <laughs> Let's see how this is going to go, you know. <laughs> but uh, And then I, I met the great Court Whitman. And, and I can't thank you enough. And this is not lip service. This isn't because I'm on your podcast. This is because I tell this story to anyone who asks. Court Whitman and what you did to me to help me focus my thoughts who I am as a person, who I wanted to be as a person on the, in the private sector, you really helped me build that, that, those values, those stories, those share stories. And man, it was, it was invaluable to helping me understand not just, you know, what I wanted my future to look like, but who I wanted to look like in the corporate world. And so, man, it was, it was a tough transition. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of isms that I was having to leave behind and figuring out new email taglines and LinkedIn profiles and, there's definitely a learning curve. There's hands down and anything that's worth pursuing, you've got to get behind that learning curve and you can't fight the system. I mean, sure, you got to ask questions where, where questions need asking, but you have to get, you know, you've got to get on board with this and, and you have to learn and don't be scared to learn the new tech. It is daunting, but it's, it's doable. I promise we've all done it. So if you're learning that new tech, you know, whether it was Gmail or Google Docs and Anyone that comes from the, 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 the you know, DOD side of the house knows we use Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, and Excel. No, 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 not the corporate world. You're using Google Docs. You're using slides. You're using sheets. You're, and you got to get on board with all this, and you have to learn. And so this transition, you know, it was this crazy whirlwind of a, of a mental roller coaster for me. And, and I cannot thank you enough for being one of my bastions in the storm court and helping keep me kind of like, hey, man, focus over here. Look over here, and let's get this together. So. Huge shout out to you, my man. All right, thanks for that, brother. I really appreciate it. Not a bigger or better gift you can give to me is just kind of stepping into some gratitude. So, hey, man, my pleasure. Uh, what I'm hearing from you, though, is, you know, even before you stepped into some of that transition piece is just, hey, Will, what an incredible testament you are to others of a man of faith. And I don't know that you've really stepped strongly into that. And if I'm off on the way I'm characterizing that, you let me know. You had some jokes that were funny about, you know, uh, being uh, yelled at by grandma. If you got, you know, mud on her carpet on a Sunday, you talked about all the time you spent in church. But I mean, you know, if there's anyone out there listening that's going through something like, you know, Will said or something that's not like cancer, but feels like cancer, 
I mean, all I heard from you is you just stayed faithful, man. And, and you use some great metaphors, like, you know, that golden bullet shot. What I think I'm hearing there is like, hey, man, our lives are, are predestined. You know, if you believe that, great. If you don't, then turn the volume down real quick right now. But I mean, what you're telling me is that that allowed you to actually move through that difficult situation with incredible confidence. And how many times are our lives disrupted? It might not be cancer. It might be, you know, well, um, divorce. It might be loss of a family member. It might be, I mean, the list goes so long. But if you can take on this approach that, well, this is just the way my life is supposed to develop. Let's tie the shoes on and keep on running. Then I think you can respond to these things in a way that, that Will's done that served him well. It can serve all of us well. So I just wanted to highlight that, man. Um, and then we talk transition. I think what I'm hearing from you is you just had this incredible commitment to do it really well. And you had an openness to learn. That's what I was hearing from you. So let's continue here, man. And I want to talk about where you landed. So I think, you know, it's almost a year now that you've been in the private sector working for this company. And I probably don't even say the damn name right, but I'm saying Astranus. Is that right? Astranus? Astranus. It's Astranus. Astranus. That's what you get uh, from me. Uh, Astranus. Thank you for the clarity. So you're an operations manager there. Hey, man, just fill in the blanks for me a little bit. What are you doing? I mean, because there's a lot of guys and girls out there, a lot of men and women out there that I'm working with, that one of the first things they're trying to solve for in transition is, what are the top six job titles that I'm targeting? And that you just don't know that after 20 plus years in the military. Hell, after 10 years in the military, it's a great big unknown. And I have an opportunity in this moment for you to talk about a job title, operations manager, that I framed up front that we actually have folks that do operations in the military. So a lot of people will say, you know what, I think I'm gonna be an operations manager or a director of operations. Can you just tell us what the hell that means for you in your role? And then build out kind of what the company's involved with. Absolutely, thank you. That, 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 is, a, that is a great question and one that I asked myself, I can't tell you how many times I was, was, I was transitioning I would get on ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn and I would type in, you know, you get your fingers to the keyboard and they're like, what the hell do I want to do? You know, like what, what's, what's out there for me? And, and I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, you know, I was really pursuing management consulting, right? I, I thought that that is, that was a natural transition from the people that I was networking with. And I definitely had some, some individuals that were really pushing to help get me on at a, at a management consulting firm. But I just, I would, I, I kept typing stuff. And, and as you type it, you know, these, these different zip recruiter lines will lead you to a monster's line, will lead you to a ladder's line. And you're just, what am I going to do? And my degree is actually in operations management. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to type that in <laughs> and see what comes up. And of course, you know, there's tons out there for operations managers. And, and if I'm speaking to anyone right now, any of your listeners, if you are in operations, I am not saying operations management is for everyone. I'm really not. But it is a very good transitional piece for anyone that has done any amount of time in logistics, any amount of time in just managing teams, supporting teams. It, is, it, is, it was absolutely, and I'm going to hit on again, Court, because you nailed it. Yes, I'm a, I am a man of faith. You know, I was raised in the church. I'm a Christian. I'm not saying you have to be. If you believe in higher power, Gaia, 
Buddha, whatever your God, who your God is, I support that. Just in my opinion, there is something out there bigger than every single one of us. And I know that by providence and divine intervention, I was just led down this road and it really put me in this spot where it said, hey, there is a career out there that will enable you to support others, to capitalize on your strengths of your personality, managing teams, um, you know, just equipping the, 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 the other members of your team and how to effectively do their job or more efficiently do their job and do some negotiating and some, some mentorship. Man, I landed exactly where I was supposed to land. And I would love to tell you that I had this award-winning formula of, you know, you, you go to this website and then you, you know, type this word in, but it's not, it's not like that. And if any of your listeners are listening, I at least a thousand, 1500 different resumes, I would just type in, I'd take two hours every night and I would just start applying to places, looking at things that looked interesting to me. And I would apply, I would apply, I would apply. And I had to learn kind of what those buzzwords were. And you'll learn, you know, your listeners will learn too what those buzzwords look like in transition to, to type in and, you know, link up with me and I'll give you some of them. But I can't think there's a man out there that I currently work with. His name is Christian Kyle. And I remember one uh, morning I, uh, I got a phone call from, from Christian Kyle. And he said, uh, hey, Will, my name's Christian. I'm with Astronis. I'd like to know if you have some time to do a phone interview. Um, and I said, well, well you know, of course. Uh, and we did a phone interview and he said, you know, he started off, it went well, we'd like to bring you in for an in-person. And I said, that sounds awesome. And of course I'm looking this company up, you know, Astronus. And I had done a little bit of research, but, you know, really kind of digging into what it was and the fact that they're building next generation satellites that, uh, we call them a micro geo bus. And the name of our first satellite is Arcturus, uh, which is, uh, refers to constellations in the sky. Um, but you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, holy cow, this company is building a satellite that is going to space. Now, as to, to, to talk back a little bit to when I was a loadmaster, Travis Air Force Base has the two modified C5s that are designed specifically for the, what was for then the, the space shuttle hull. And, and I was a part of that mission set. And so I had some experience with working with, with different agencies and, uh, you know, the space community, but never on the, the development side. And so as I'm talking with Christian and, and, you know, you're getting to know like what this company does, they're building a satellite in their, you know, headquarters that is going to launch into space. And they're asking me if I would be a good fit to potentially be a part of this program. And I'm just like mind blown, right? Because I think everyone that comes from that military background, right? I think it's, it's built into us to want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Sure. And so when you're transitioning and I'm looking at company X, Y, and Z, you know, it's okay, well, do I want to be a part of that? Can I get behind that mission set? And then along comes this company, Astronus, you know, and I was just like, oh my, this is like, this is incredible. Like they're building satellites. Uh, the, the purpose, we're building satellites that we can build and launch in less than 18 months. That is gargantuan in, in, in satellite building technology. So we can from, so you, if you wanted to, to start up Quartz little internet company, you pick up the phone and call Astronus and say, hey, I want to buy one of your satellites we can start building a satellite and get it launched and into orbit in 18 months. That is, that's, that's an incredible feat uh, in the space community. And we're doing that. And I am a part of the team that is doing that. And, and I joke with them all the time, and I'm going to say it now. If you go to the Astronis page and you look at the team's page and you see the educations of the individuals I get to work with, I joke with them all the time and tell them, you guys are single-handedly destroying rainforest with the amount of diplomas they have to print just to give you, you individuals. I mean, 
these the the team that I was at I, Gordon, I'm not even kidding you, man. These these are PhDs. These are you know master's degrees, bachelor's degrees, and in, in you know mechanical, electrical, uh, uh, software engineering. I mean, they're literally rocket scientists. And every day I get to go to work and I get to interact with these people. They just show me, man, that there's there's such a big, incredible world out there, and so many diverse personalities, and it's just incredible. But I want to get too far ahead. So I do want to come back to, to me interviewing there because I think there's a little bit of a funny story here and hopefully it'll be a little bit of a wake up for any of your listeners because in my mind, probably any Hollywood movie you've seen, you know, an interview, you sit down across from someone and you have a back and forth and they ask you some tough questions and, you know, what your skill sets are and then that's that. What really happens, or at least in my experience, <laughs> was after this awesome phone call with Christian, he said, hey, man, we'd really love to have you come in for an in-person interview. And I said, that sounds cool. Like, I really want to be a part of this, you know? So we scheduled a time and I showed up downtown San Francisco, an incredible office building. You walk into the lab, I mean, you walk into the building and there's a clean room sitting right there. You can physically see people building a satellite and it's like, holy cow. You know what I mean? It's like, that, that, that's going to space. Um, and so it's a little bit daunting and you go upstairs in this super awesome, you know, environment. And I go in and I sit down and I think I was interviewed by six different people. I believe six or seven different people. I had to give two full-on presentations, uh, and the interview actually lasted over seven hours. It was incredible. Uh, it, was, it was a wonderful experience, but it was a seven-hour interview of people coming in and just, hey, man, tell me about you. How do you fit in here? And I'll never forget one of the, the highlights of my interview. Uh, I'm not going to name drop him, but uh, he knows who he is. He walks in. There's a big whiteboard in there. He draws two circles on the, on the whiteboard. He said, this is Earth, this is the moon. And then he shades the moon. He goes, which way is north, south, east, and west? I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and I mean, it was, it was in that moment, I'm like, this is a space company, you know? And so <laughs> kind of using some of my, dude, you, you have no idea. So I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, BS my way. Like, look, bro, I, I know about the moon. Let me tell you about how, because nobody wants to suck in an interview, right? Nobody will say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And thank God I paid attention in some night nav classes up in Washington State. So I kind of got around it a little bit and uh, we, we got through it, but I left the, I, I had a great experience. I mean, everyone there made me feel super awesome. No one said, oh my God, get this idiot out of here, right? They're all, but as I walked out of that interview, I thought, oh my God, they're laughing me out of this building. Like they're like, look at this ex-military dude thinking he's going to come, you know? I, and that's in my head, that's what I thought. And so, I mean, I thought it so much, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still me at the end of the day. And I left there like, they never seen no one as cool as me. But in my heart, I was like, bro, they are laughing at you as you leave this place. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't even think I had a shot so much to the point that me and my wife got on an airplane and we flew to Scottsdale to hang out with her dad, uh, Tim and her, and her stepmom, Anne Marie. And we were down in Scottsdale and the VP, she sent me an email and she said, hey, have you had a chance to think about numbers? And I was like, uh, what? You know, and, and so, you know, we sat there and in a matter of a few hours a day, we, you know, negotiated a contract and, and they said, hey, we'll, we'll see you on February the 10th, 2020. And I, man, it was, I was like, whoa, you know, like it's over, you know, the transition is, I, I guess it's never really over, but that initial phase of finding that first job, you know, and it was kind of like the calm, I, I'm going to call it the calm before the storm, because we're going to talk about what I'm doing there in a minute. But it was, man, it was, it was such a cool feeling to go to look back and kind of something I said earlier, to look back at all those 
you know, mentors and all those, those, those family members that put all that time and effort and love into who you are as a person. For that, you know, you've, you've left one phase of life in that military family, which absolutely helped continually build that foundation and set you up for success into that next step. And you're there, you know, and you're standing there on that precipice of, of tomorrow. And you're like, holy cow, like, it, I did it, you know, it's like, we, now we get to start this next phase. And it's a, it's a blend of emotion. It's sad because you truly, you know, it sets in your mind, your military time is officially, you know, you're, you're no longer, you're always going to be, you know, a, a military member. We, we're military till we die. We'll never wash that stink off of us. But, you know, that, that part's over. And now it's time to transition into this new civilian world and be just Mr. Will Harden, no longer Sergeant Will Harden. And it was exciting and everything. And, man, I, day one, you walk in, and it's just like, all right, like, get on board. Like, we move quick here. And I don't want to get ahead of the questions because I'm sure we're going to get into this. I'm going to leave it there and let you, uh, let you spin up anything you want because I don't want to get too far ahead. No, we're right where we need to be, man. Please tell us what it's like. I mean, working there. I mean, tell us All about right. this company. Man. All right, so it, it is an incredible, incredible company. I highly recommend anyone out there. You can just go to astronomist.com, take a look at it. It is what, what, what the men and women that I work with are capable of accomplishing is nothing short of extraordinary. It really is. And so I get there day one, and and you know I started. And uh, I had another guy conveniently start the exact same day as me. His name is Chris Milk. I call him my hashtag deskmate for life. I love Chris. He's like, he's my home dog there. And uh, he had come from, from a, a different company. He was a civilian. Um, but he really, like, as I'm sitting there, and, you know, they're like, okay, here's your laptop. Here are your two computer screens. You know, everybody sits in this giant open office area. Right? There's no offices. It's just a big open area. And it's like, here's your first couple projects, you know. And, and they give me my first two big projects which was interacting with vendors and doing some uh, range safety launch stuff for whenever we launch our rocket, because obviously X Air Force going to launch, you know, Air Force range safety. They're like, yeah, that'll work. You can handle that. So here I am, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this 110%. And then I'm sitting there at my computer and I'm like, I ask, I remember I asked the I, our IT manager, I said, hey, uh, I don't have Word on my laptop. And like, literally there was like air scoffing. They're like, uh, we don't use Word. We use Docs. And I'm like, What's that? <laughs> and so yeah, that's, you know, you you that, get this a, instant. My bad, I'm I'm all over top of you, but it's just comical, right? This is the thank you army for you know the lack of innovation. Thank you military for the lack of innovation when you're forced to use that suite as opposed to the Google Docs, which in my opinion is much more collaborative friendly. But please continue, bro. No, I agree. Now, now that I've been doing it for about seven months, I agree with you, right? But there was that learning curve. And it was just, you know, just something as simple as that. You know, I'm like, okay, I've got to get smart on this. And thankfully, Chris was me. He was like, hey, go home and YouTube a bunch of stuff. You'll, you'll, you'll catch on quick, you know? And so I was like, thank God. So, you know, so you, you just like when you're in the military, right? You start solidifying that team, right? And of course, I was instantly, you know, uh, assigned to the operations team as the operations manager. Um, and so, you know, I'm instantly surrounded by these people that, and I will say it without zero reservations, are way smarter than, than I'll ever be. I mean, they forgot more about this world than I'll ever know. And so, you know, I just wanted to, man, I just wanted to soak that up in, in all the information they can. And the only thing that I really was able to, to continually do is say, you know what, all I can do is be as positive as I can be every day. So that way, hopefully you guys at least go, well, he's stupid, but at least he's not an asshole. You know, so I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to bring to the fight every day until I can, you know, 
and, and so just being a part of that, but learning the fact that we have all these individual teams and different verticals in this company that are all responsible for everything from designing our proprietary SDR uh, radio software to designing the physical, you know, mechanical structure of the spacecraft to, you know, building the communications rails and the power rails. And I mean, there's guys that are, I mean, these guys come from all, all these different walks of life, you know, and, and they're so, it's so intricate in the way it's like, it's like an orchestra, man. And I mean, and, and you're just, you know, your job on the operations team, is just to support these geniuses to make sure they have everything they need that, you know, it, wherever they need to go test this type of equipment, when, whenever they need to get something from point A to point B, you're right there to help support them. And man, I love it. I love that I get to help, you know, enable this, this team as a whole to get across the finish line and launch something into space. I don't care who you are, what your background is. When you watch a rocket launch and you know that something's going to space, that's cool. And it's just something that I every day, hands down, am super blessed to be a part of. And the company itself is, man, they are, they're so cutting edge above and in front of everything. It's just an incredible, incredible um, feat that they do every day. And, and what they're going to be able to, I mean, we are literally going to triple the internet capacity of the state of Alaska when we launch. They're, uh, they're our first customer. And, and when you think about that, you said it earlier, you know, hey, you're in Afghanistan. There's always somebody at least on a cell phone. That's exactly right. But there are so many places in the world that don't have that, right? There, there's just nothing there. Yeah. And Astronus can instantaneously provide that connectivity, uh, you know, on a much smaller, you know, when you think satellites, of course, now that I'm in this world, you know, for people who don't, when you think of the old legacy based satellites, you know, satellites are big, you know, they're, they're the, they're 20 some odd foot tall, they're big, you know, and it takes a lot of money to get those things up into orbit. And they do a lot of different things. Astronuses were, were about three and a half foot by three and a half foot by three and a half foot. We're called a microbus. And we can provide because of technology and, and how advanced we are and these geniuses that I work with, we can triple the, the connectivity of the state of Alaska with something like this. I mean, when you try to wrap your mind around that amount of knowledge and technology and something that small and what it can do, and then you think about the people that are making that happen, dude, it is just, it's, it's an incredible mindset and it just makes you want to be better and better and better every day to not let, let these guys down. I say my main job is just to stay the hell out of their way and not break anything in the lab. <laughs> like, it is such a cool, cool company and, and I'm, I'm very blessed to be a part of it. Wow, man. Um, what a great reflection. I'm so excited for you and this opportunity that you've had, which, to be honest, is the first time right here live on the show I've got a chance to hear from you about it. Um, you sound just like you're doing great, man. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, as you find yourself in this organization of incredible high performers, even if we just use the metric for judging that, uh, you know, intellectual capacity, it doesn't even kind of take into the account of, of what you're doing, um, which I think we can argue effectively that it's really challenging to do. Um, you're reducing the size of a satellite, it's going into orbit, and then it's functioning at a high level to deliver, um, you know, the service. I'm really curious, man, you know, how did you transition into the company well, right? Um, you know, you've executed a lot of humility here in the conversation amongst, you know, kind of walking amongst giants academically there. Um, but, and as you kind of consider that transition, I want you to 
maybe frame it in a way of there's just a couple habits that I have here um, that I've found allows me to to just perform well as a teammate, uh, as a manager, as a leader, as an operation manager in this particular event. You talked about one that I wrote down already. It's just a, po a positive outlook. Um, you, I think the other thing you talked about, you didn't name it, was effort. Because you said, I'm going to give 110% on the first two projects you were given. But could you share with us, Will, you know, are there any habits that you're really intentional about beyond those two that just help you do things really well? I, I, I do. And, and that is something that I, as a lot of my past uh, examinees and students and, and coworkers uh, will attest to in my military life, is you, there's, there's a few things that I have. But one of them is that yeah, staying positive is, is quintessential to, to getting through anything in life. If you, if you have a neck, I, I joke with people a lot of times, I say, you can scream and shout and be mad, but whenever you get done screaming and shouting and being mad, the problem's still there. So you may as well have a positive outlook and figure it out because that, you know, screaming and shouting and being upset never solved anything. But that positive outlook, you know, I think I've beat that to death. Uh, I've obviously always say surround yourself with a team that's better than you are and push yourself every day to be as good as they are and then repeat that cycle every single day. And if you do that, you're on the path to success. Um, I obviously never quit. It's built into most, you know, military members, or at least especially ops members. You know, you cannot, don't, don't ever start something with the mindset that you're not going to finish it. You, once you start it, you have to be that 110% and you have to commit yourself to seeing it through. And so that's why I say, if you're going to do something, man, be the best person that's ever done it and, and learn. Don't ever be scared to ask somebody, hey, I don't know. I think I have on here train. You have to train, you know, just like if you're training physically, you have to train mentally, you have to train, you know, cerebrally, you have to get yourself on that and that winning mindset. And the three that I started uh, answering your question with, and these are, these are the three uh, Sergeant Harden's guides to life. And the first one is that you're never stuck. You're never stuck. No matter what you're doing in life, don't ever think that you're stuck. Move left, move right, move front, move back. Just start moving and Newton's first law will take over. You just got to start taking those first steps. The second guide is earning it and owning it. Earning it is, is your name. Everybody's given a name the moment they're born. That will be yours till the day that you leave this earth. And you have to earn the reputation that is associated with that name with your acts and deeds every single day. No matter what you do when you wake up in the morning and you look at that person that's staring back at you, you have got to do everything you can to build that person up, to build the reputation of that person up, to make sure that when somebody hears about you, because they're going to hear about you a lot of times before they ever meet you, they're excited or they know the, the, what you're capable of. You have to earn that. It's not given. Nobody just goes, hey, you're a rock star from the moment you're born. You have to, to earn that title. But the second half of that is that own it part. And that's hard for a lot of people, especially people like myself, like yourself, ops guys. You know, they're, we're very, very 110%, right? But sometimes we make mistakes too. And you have to own those mistakes because owning your mess ups, I almost said F ups, but owning those, those are what show people that you know what they're not perfect and when they do have a misstep or they do mess up they tell everyone hey that's on me that's my fault i'm going to fix it i'll make it better and i will be better tomorrow than i was today but you have to own that hmm. the third and the most important thing and this is mainly for my military members but even in the civilian world is i call it whiskey and humor <laughs> and that is uh that's it's just a little bit of a a nice way to put 
in the military and even in, in civilian life. You're going to get asked to do things that you don't really want to do. You're going to see things that are uneasy or, you know, not very uneasy to see or easy to unsee, should I say. You're going to be put in positions and in situations that are definitely out of your comfort zone. And that is, it's hard, but it's okay. That it's, you're not the only one that's going to do it. You're not the only one going through it, right? If you are put in a position like that, whether it's something in the military, whether it's something in the civilian world, if it's a difficult situation, you cannot bottle that up. Even, even if it's, it's just uncomfortable conversation, you have to get it out, which is what I say, you know, whiskey and humor, have a drink, have a laugh, talk to somebody about it, get it out of there, but do not bottle those, those feelings of, you know, failure or repression up. You just got to get that stuff out. And, and that is, you know, what's going to enable you to kind of move past that and get on to the, to the next portion of your life, because I promise you God's got a great plan for each and every one of us out there. So just get it out and move on. Um, and that's probably my big three answer to that. Yeah, man. I love it, man. Thanks for sharing it out. Don't ever be stuck. Turn it and own it. And, you know, this great metaphor of whiskey and humor, which I think is just saying, hey, sit down together and have that conversation. And if you can do it really well around a drink um, or, you know, if you're good at bringing in some way of being humorous, sometimes it's a great way to deliver bad news. We already know it's a great way to deliver good news, but the good news ain't hard to do. It's the bad news and the difficult conversation <laughs> that's challenging. Yep. So thanks for sharing, man. And you Absolutely. also talk a lot about, you know, this, this invitation to always train yourself. Don't ever quit, which is effort. Surround yourself with great people and always be positive. So I think those are powerful, man. Some habits right there of high performance coming from Will as he sits into the work that he does. And it's probably been with him a, a damn long time. I mean, those top three you talked about definitely go back to your time in the Air Force. Um, so thanks, man. Um, you know, I, I, I would be not a very smart host if I didn't take an opportunity to ask a guy like you um, about leadership, man. Um, so I, I mean, people listen to the show to hear an incredible story of what you delivered on and really to get perspective from people like you that perform at a really high level and, and how you see the world. How do you see the workplace? How do you see leadership management and what are you doing to do those things well? So I just want to kind of establish a small foothold here together as we move forward in the conversation by asking in your own words, man, how would you define leadership? And, you know, why? Why do you see leadership that way? Um, I, I would definitely say, in my opinion, that, that leadership is, is it's, it's got a lot of different answers to a lot of different people. Um, and I don't know if there's any, well, I'm sure there are. Actually, I've never that guy because there's, there's no such thing as the wrong question because there are tons of wrong questions. Don't ask them, for goodness sake. But no, I, uh, I think that it's one of those things where it's, it's different to different people. But leadership to me is the ability to inspire and enable your team to successfully execute common tasks that enable the whole team to accomplish a goal that's bigger than any one person's individual contribution. And that doesn't always mean that you're giving orders or mandating the deadlines. Um, it's typically, in my opinion, most effectively done by rolling up your sleeves and, and getting in the fray yourself with the, the man and woman to your left and to your right. And so that way they feel it in their soul that, that you are willing to go that extra mile with them to accomplish whatever task is being given. 
that is my definition of leadership and how I most effectively observed it and executed it as a leader is being able to, to get into the trenches with my, my guys and girls and say, hey, we're going to get this done and I will never stand behind you and just shout out what I think we need to be done. I, I want you to know that I will be right next to you getting this, this, this accomplished. And that's, that's my, I think that's what breeds effective leaders. And I think that's what enables leaders of leaders to see what, what lead. Cause you know, you, you learn, you learn up and you learn down. And so when you, you know, we all have CEOs or CFOs and things like that, and they're all doing the best they can to lead companies and units and everything else as well. But man, they learn from their, 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 their mid-level managers too, just like we learn from them. And so if you're that type of leader that says, Hey, I'm going to, I'll give the direction when I need to give the direction, but I'm also going to get in there and get it done when it needs to get done. I think that that breeds the men and women underneath you. And it, it, it sets an example for those above you to be like, Hey, I, I want to have Will on the team because that guy's going to make sure we get across the finish line. That's my definition. I love it, man. Thank you for this perspective. Leadership for Will here is an ability to influence and motivate to get results. Uh, I think you, you said a bit more in your definition, but that's really what I was taking away. And, and the, 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 the how you do that, how you've seen it be effective and how you've applied it to your own work life has been, hey man, I, I do it by example is the word that I'm hearing. You talk about rolling up your sleeves and, and, and what I'm hearing is this hint of, I'm not gonna ask folks to do anything that I haven't done myself. I think what that informs um, is collaboration. It also shows competence, right? If you can actually show folks that you know how to do what you're asking them to do and all those things in the end are building trust. And if you can have trust, if you can establish trust and you have a great ability to influence and motivate. So thank you so much for sharing that, man. Um, I do want to talk about um, just this, this really two more questions for you, brother, before we let you get back into your day there, freaking building satellites and launching them in the freaking atmosphere. Um, you know, how about teaming? Like, I mean, you've, I mean, not, not that maybe the team you're with now is that different than what you found in the Air Force. I don't know, maybe it is. And my, my dream for you is that it, it absolutely is because that's why you're so excited about it. So there's gotta be things about that team there at Astronus that, that makes you reflect back on some incredible teams you've had in the Air Force. But you know, it also seems to me as you're presented a little bit foreign. Um, but the bottom line here is just a collection of people who are coming together to do something, right? And I, I think you have some great insight to what it takes to team with others based upon your Air Force experience and this new one that's really not even a year old yet uh, in the private sector. So would you mind sharing, Will, for us, you know, according to you, you know, what habits do teams have to practice to do stuff really well collectively, if any? I, I think that, 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 is, that, is, that is something that every single whether you're a leader, whether you're a new member, whether you're a CEO, I think everyone building that proper team uh, and being an, uh, an effective member of a team is, is really, you know, the, a true recipe for success moving forward for any company or unit. And so my answer to that is the biggest one that I was taught by a senior master sergeant, I should correct myself, he's chief master sergeant, Ricky Smith now. And, I, and I, he taught me this well as how do you get to yes? You want your team to always know how to get to yes. No should never really be an acceptable answer unless it's loss of life or limb, right? 
how do I get to yes? So the answer can be, hey, I can't do that right now, but let me tell you how we can get to yes. And so if you can get your, if you can surround yourself with team members that, that have that mentality, you can foster that mentality of, hey, let's, let's figure out how we can accomplish this goal. Let's get to yes. That, that, that is huge to get that mindset built into your team. The second thing is make sure your team has a feedback loop. It is, I, Court, I know you've been a part of units. I've been a part of units. Everybody's been a part of units where you just, you don't feel like the top brass leadership or even the people that maybe are your peers, you know, you have the ability to have open communication or at least communication where you truly believe it's effective, right? Having that feedback loop where you can have, you know, members on that team kind of come across and say, hey, you know, you're doing this and, and I'd really appreciate it if you would address me, you know, in this way, or, or could you ask me to perform at this level by doing these things? You have to be willing to, to learn what people's, you know, uh, uh, mission sets are and, and what their styles are and how they accomplish tasks themselves, because that's what's going to enable you as a leader on that team to, 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 uh, to leverage those, those assets and how to use them best. And so having that open feedback loop of going, hey, man, at any time, pull me aside, tell me, tell me what's wrong, tell me what's going on. And I think that's a perfect segue into you have to be personal with your team. Now, in the military versus the corporate world, there is, there's, there is a little bit of, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to get too personal with people, um, you know, for, for obvious reasons. You know, it's, it's not quite the same as that, but you want to get to that level. It doesn't mean you shouldn't strive to let them know, hey, I'm a person. I care about you as a person and I care about your well-being as a person because I want you to be successful so that way I can be successful. So that way our company can be successful. And I think that as long as you can, can present yourself in a way that, that lets your team members know, man, I'm here for you. If it's the middle of the night and you need to call about a project we've got going on, call me. If it's the, the, the middle of the day and you just, you know, you had your grandma passed away, you can still call me. It doesn't always just have to be at work. I think making yourself presentable as a person is, is, is very essential to being an effective team member. And I, 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 I encapsulate all that into what I call just being there, right? Be, the, be in that moment. Be present with those people. Don't be that robot that shows up, punches the time clock, sits down at your computer, does your work, gets, you know, hits submit, gets up, see you guys tomorrow at eight. That, that, I mean, do people do it? Sure. If that's, if that's your style, that's your style. But for all the teams I've been a part of, I don't want that. I don't want that person. I want that person that sits down and looks at me and goes, Hey man, you got a cup of coffee yet? I know you like those, you know, your iced coffee. Let me get you one real quick. You know? And, and then at the same time, you know, like, God, oh, let's talk about, you know, your, your life a little bit, because that's what tells you about the other team members and tells you, what their likes and their dislikes are. And that's what helps build that camaraderie. And we call that in the military esprit de corps, right? If you can build that esprit de corps, man, it just makes you that much more effective. And, and I think that is to be on a successful team, being there, you know, being present in the moment, teaching them, let's all get to yes together. I, I just, you know, that all goes back to that feedback loop, always being able to say, hey, this is what's working, this is what's not working, and nobody take it personal. Uh, that that's my that's my recipe for a successful team. I love it, man. So high performing teams, according to my man here, Will, is uh, number one. You got to get the yes. Number two, you have to have a feedback loop, and number three, you just got to be personal uh, with your teammates. And I think that extends to your manager, uh, your supervisor, your direct reports. All of it applies. And what I really love about this is we're talking about, in my opinion. Uh, culture, right? 
uh, all of these things are cultural. I mean, the feedback loop, you can argue, is a procedural thing. Like, there's ways to get a feedback deliberately through, like, engagement surveys. There's tons of people and companies that that's all they do is focus on and how do they get feedback from the employee base to know how engaged the employees are that are working there. But I think, and, and Will's sharing here, it extends into just the way that you behave in conversation with others. Um, we absolutely know that the feedback loop was given in the military. Just know what's coming. Whenever we go through an after action review on, on something that we've done, we want to hear what you think about how I did or the team did collectively. Um, you know, I don't know that, that that's always part of teams, um, but I will say that when it is there, I think you have a, a more a higher performing team that, that's, that's present. So thanks for sharing those, man. And the last thing I just want to share is that, you know, Will talked about this idea of just be there. Your words of, of, you know, just be there for each other. I think there's definitely a difference between just being and doing. I typically have been someone that's always kind of more in the doing side of things. Um, there's, there's a task to accomplish. There's a mission to conduct. There's, you know, there's something to get done to move it forward whether it's just, you know, my son's ability to, to do a task more effectively as a baseball player, or, you know, it runs a very wide gamut, but sometimes just be, man, right? Just be present, just be available. And I think to be personal with teammates, managers, direct reports, it's, it's, the, it's the model of being vulnerable, being open and being authentic. That's the pathway for that to work well. So, Thanks for sharing those, man. And thanks for allowing me just to add a little bit of, uh, of my flavor sprinkled on top um, there for those high-performing teams. Hey, man, I think that's a wrap on the show, boss. It's been great having you. You know, I just want to close out with, man, you fire me up, brother. Uh, you are inspiring. And, you know, what's, what's next, man, for you as, you as you and Sarah look forward in life together as a couple, as you look at your life professionally. I know you're just settling into the company you're at right now, but any, any big to-dos, dreams, goals that you've thought about yourself or with her? Hey, Will, you still with me, man? You might be on mute, I'm not sure. Hey, Will, back with us, right, man? Absolutely, right here, boss. Wouldn't leave you. All right, brother. Um, we, we, dropped, we dropped out for a second. And so let me just return to the last question I was working through, which is this, man. Um, and, you know, as you look to what's next for you, maybe just share a little bit with us, you know, and that could be what's next for you and Sarah together as you guys are walking through life. That could be what's next for you professionally. That could be, are there any big goals that you're leaning into that you want to accomplish? Uh, you know, as we close out 2020, you can take the answer anywhere you want, man. I'm just kind of curious what's on the horizon for you as we close out the show together. Well, uh, I mean, 2020, I think everybody just wants this year to be over, <laughs> given all the, the hurdles we've faced. But, um, you know, uh, personally, uh, me and my wife are absolutely looking to uh, transition into parenthood. 
uh, soon. So uh, we're we're starting down that road. I'm excited to to be a part of of you know that that's such a huge uh, live task, and I'm I'm just grateful that I have a partner such as her that's willing to to want to share you know that with me. And I'm I'm grateful every every morning I wake up next to her. I just I can't believe how how lucky I've been blessed in that. So yeah, for a personal, that's parenthood is next. Um, professionally. Uh, man, we're, we're launching this rocket in a few months, you know, and space is hard. It is a thousand miles an hour at Astronus um, because that's just what it takes. And, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm blessed leaving, you know, an operations, you know, military career that has that high ops tempo that I got. I was blessed enough to land at a company that, that, that sustains that high ops tempo because, man, people like us, that's what we thrive in. We thrive in that, you know, you got to push yourself faster, harder, faster, harder to accomplish an incredible goal. And so for me on the horizon, you know, professionally is absolutely getting this Arcturus launched up into orbit. Um, and, and then obviously transitioning into uh, the next satellites and the next projects with the company. So I'm super excited to be a part of this company and, and see where that goes. Um, and then just probably, you know what, to cap it all off, I'm really just looking forward as I, as I kind of alluded to earlier, of just, just being here, man. I, I, I can't stress enough what in your personal life, in your professional life, I'm so blessed beyond measure and, 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 and from military to cancer to where I'm at now, I, I truly believe that I, I'm just blessed to be here with all of you. I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of each and every one of your lives and, and just to have that feedback from all of y'all that, that enriches my life and just keeps you pushing it, man. It keeps every day. I just, I, I tell everybody, if you wake up and you're six foot above ground, that's a damn good day. So, you know, I, I'm just grateful for every sunrise I get. And I want to make the most I can out of all 24 of those hours. And I'm going to do it again the next day. And I'm going to do it again the next day. Cause I never, ever, ever want to be the one that is insulting the people that care about me. And that's, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of 2020 and for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep on pushing it. I love it, man. Maybe the world will welcome another William Harden here, uh, in, in 2021. <laughs> right. And you can continue to add to that incredible legacy um also here and hey man you're just gonna keep treading water bro at this incredible company and, and just happy to be part of it so wish you the best of luck man you're absolutely a friend a colleague and now i'm exposing you to this incredible uh, network that we have here and following with this show so watch out bro if uh if you get a whole bunch of people hitting you up uh asking for some mentorship and some advice uh thank you man for being with us today um, and what I want to do now here as we close out together is just invite you to give us that high performance breakdown to get us out and in, into our day. Uh, the way we do it here on the show, man, which is just inviting you to give us three claps and then speak the words for the listeners. Boom, shakalaka. And what I'll do is I'll say, hey, Will, break down on three and I'll count one, two, three. And when you hear three, man, that's your trigger to alone and unafraid. Give us that breakdown, man. You got that? Think you can get it done? Absolutely. Take me back to my old football days, man. I'm going to be breaking it down right here in the middle of my living room. Hey, man, it's, it's the Odessa Bronco, uh, you know, going back with a little flashback here with the breakdown. Let's do it, man. Hey, breaking us out here on High Performance Pathways in this incredible episode featuring Will Harden, uh, his life's body of work to date, his battle with cancer, and real, really his soft landing at an incredible company. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for sharing with us perspectives on leadership and how to be a high performer and how to be a high performer as a member of a team. All things you've done incredibly well. 
Breakdown on three, my man. One, two, three. Boom, shakalaka. Yeah, I love it, man. That was probably the rapidest fine boom shakalaka we've heard. That's why I love it. Something new from everyone that comes on here. Hey, y'all, to connect with Will, real easy. Find him on LinkedIn, William Harden. Harden spelled H-A-R-D-E-N. Now look, y'all, settle in today. Listen to this show. Think about it. Allow it to inspire you and enable you to continue to chase high performance in your life in whatever capacity it is for you that it's important to do so. At work, at home, it all matters. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Bye.